sometime probably the end of September. We're going to have a vintage concert. The rules are you can't sing any song that's newer than 1989. That'll be fun. Yeah. Can't sing anything newer than 1989. Yeah. So you might hear some Henson songs, some Rambo songs, some old Bill Gaither trio song, Happy Goodman song. Some Stamps Quartet, who knows? Amen. Some old, old kind. Teddy Huffam in the gyms. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You just never know what all we'll come up with between now and then. So uh, you be thinking about that. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 5. scripture here I don't verse 12 also the Levites which were the singers all of them of Asaph of Heman of Jedithon with their sons and their brethren I don't know I'm having trouble I guess I'm getting old or getting older sisters but we may need a little more something other up here. Amen. Being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them an hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. It came to pass the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. When they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by the reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Now turn with me to Ezra chapter 3, verse 10. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord... They set the priest in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals, 
to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by chorus in praise and giving thanks unto the Lord. Because he is good, for his mercy endureth forever towards Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people for the people shouted with a loud shout and the noise was heard afar off. And I read to you two different passages of Scripture of the opening up of the house of the Lord. One was the temple of Solomon and the other was the foundation that Zerubbabel had been responsible for after the temple had been destroyed. And there are two different distinct scenarios between the two. And I want to speak for just a few moments on this subject, the way it used to be. the way it used to be. Dear Lord, I thank you, God, for your word, for all that you have done, all that you are doing and all that you shall do. We ask, oh, Lord, God, that you would give us the words to say, oh, God, in the name of Jesus, we know that your word is never bound. We ask, O oh Lord God, that you would help us, Lord God, to hear what you would have to say. Help us to obey that which is given, Lord. Help us, Lord God, to follow hard after you, Lord. In the name that's above every name, we give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some worship and praise? Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We exalt your name, Lord, for you're worthy, God. We bless your name, Lord, in this house. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hallelujah. Lord bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. In the book of Second Chronicles that we read to you, there was a celebration at the dedication of the temple of the Lord. We find where that there was great celebration because it was, first of all, the beauty was beyond compare. A great deal of detail had gone into preparing this temple of the Lord for up until this time it had been somewhat of a temporary measure 
There was no beauty that was to be held about the house of the Lord. And David had inquired of the Lord that he could possibly be able to be the one that would build an edifice that would be able to house the presence of the Lord where there could be worship unto the Lord and honor given unto Jehovah God. But yet God sent word through the prophet that this was not to be for David was a man of war and God would not accept the fact that he would be the one that would build the temple of the Lord. But rather he passed this honor on unto his son Solomon. So when Solomon ascended to the throne, there was a great thing that was waiting upon him that he was to build the temple of the Lord. (coughs) Pardon me a minute. Good old Texas croup. Of course, you know a steam engine has two components. One's water. The other's hot air, praise God. I got the hot air, praise the Lord. Amen. So the honor was passed on to Solomon that he was to construct this man magnificent edifice. There were things that were beyond understanding so much beauty. Uh, they brought timbers in from Lebanon and constructed them, and then and then they covered them with gold and beaten gold and and uh, inlaid gold and all of these things that was placed inside this great temple. And the day that it was to be dedicated, we find where there was great rejoicing. For for the first time they were able to go unto the house of the Lord to a place that was so beautiful and to be able to offer up sacrifice unto the Lord and to worship the Lord their God. But by and by, as time began to roll on, we find where Solomon falls to the love of all the many wives that he had and the things began to collapse After his death, uh, there was the splitting, first of all, of the divided kingdom. Whereas the two of the tribes were all that was left uh, uh, in one side and then there was ten on the other. And then after a while, there came those that would carry them away until there was really nothing left. The temple was destroyed. And all of the treasures were carried out, what not had already been given away by some of the kings previous. And so the pride, if you will, and the beauty of Israel was removed from the nation of Israel. (coughs) So there came a time that Zerubbabel was given permission to be able to leave the land whereas he was held captive and to bring a company of Jews back to Jerusalem to try to be able to recover the city that lay in ruins. The first thing on the agenda was to clear the temple rubble. 
and to build a new foundation. And this is where we come to our text in Ezra that the foundation had finally been laid. And a celebration was called for in order for after all the beginning of bringing back the law of Moses was a great thing to be able to uh, worship God in the temple of the Lord again in Jerusalem was a great thing. And so we find in scripture here that they gathered together and the Bible says they sang together by course. One song after another was being sang and praising and giving thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endureth forever toward Jerusalem. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation was finally laid for the house of the Lord. But yet we find another side to the story. Many of the priests and Levites, chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice. And there were others that shouted aloud for joy. And the writer here says, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy. For the noise of the weeping of the people. For they shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. Even as though the Younger generation had never seen the magnificence of Solomon's temple. They had never laid eyes on the beauty of all of the things that were given through Solomon's hand to the house of the Lord that day many years ago. The new generation had not seen these things and they were rejoicing simply because the house of the Lord was being rebuilt. But yet there were others that were the Bible calls them ancient men that they, they stood by and they, they took note of what was going on and no doubt they knew that it was a joyous occasion but yet still something began to roll over in their minds as they remembered the magnificence and the beauty of the first temple, they begin to remember how that it looked to their eyes as they stood in awe and wonder at the magnificent temple that had been erected for the glory of the Jehovah God of the Old Testament. And thereby, as they remembered in their minds, but yet they saw what was going on in the present, they could not help themselves as they began to weep and they began to cry as they knew that it would never ever be quite like it was the way 
it used to be. The way it used to be. I can remember my parents talking to me about how I needed to appreciate more of the things that had been given to me. They talked of sharecropping. My dad, born of a large family, 10 boys and two girls. They lived up and down the Mississippi Delta on one side and then the other. In northern Mississippi, in some of the poorest country in the United States is found there. In fact, the poorest county is there in north Mississippi in the entire nation of the United States is found there, and that's Tunica County, Mississippi. Dad lived on sharecropper farms up and down the Mississippi Delta, including Tunica County. Sharecropping was not something that you would be uh, wealthy from. In fact, it kept you just one meal away from starvation. And there was not much money really to be had, especially when you had a large family. Dad says, I can remember having to be piled up in a bed with my brothers and they would get us all lined up and then they'd throw one cover on on top of the other until they were sure that they would be warm. He said, in the morning time, often I would wake up and there would be snow on top of my cover. He said, I could look through the floor and count the chickens just about of the floor of the house of the poor, poor things that they endured. He said, and there was a rotation of all the brethren that had to get up and light the stove for the family for the day and that had to get up and it'd be so cold. And, and uh, Dad would tell me these stories, how that things used to be. Uh, you know, after all, I was raised under air conditioning and heating and, and the central air and all of these things. I, I never had to pull a six-foot cotton sack behind me uh, and wonder uh, if I would be able to meet the quota for the day uh, from the morning time uh, when it was still dark uh, that get out there and pick cotton all day long in the heat of the day dragging those long cotton sacks up and down the rows. Mom said there'd be snakes and spiders and everything else up in those cotton bowls. Get done at night it had to light a match to be able to weigh the bags. I didn't have to live like that. Because that's the way it used to be. I didn't have to pick cotton. I didn't have to live in a sharecropper's home. I, I never seen snow on top of my quilt when I woke up in the morning. But yet I today want to bring another thought that God has placed on my heart today. And that is the way that it used to be in church. I remember talking to my dear mother-in-law. Sister Wiley prayed through to the Holy Ghost at a very young age and remained faithful to the 
to the Lord all of her days. I said, tell me about the old times, sister. And she said, well, you know, said back in the, those days in Louisiana, said there wasn't no air conditioning, and so folks would get outside and would begin to pray. And she said you could hear them on one side of the hollow and then on the other side as they would get outside and they would lift up their voice and they'd begin to call on God and the sinners would get under conviction. And then when they had a tent revivals, folks would come by the droves because they were hungry for God because there had been prayer going forth somewhere in that night, somewhere in the afternoon, somebody, after they got done working, they'd go out and they'd pray and lift up their voice and call on God and God would move by his power and by his spirit oh God help us that we remember just how that it used to be I'm not trying to live in the past but yet still I want to remind the younger generation that things are not as they once were when you have a mighty move of God like we have felt this morning and you begin to lift your hands and you begin to worship God, something inside of my soul begins to weep. Something begins to burn in my spirit. Something begins to pull on my soul. Because I have seen more of what used to be than you have. Memories flood into my mind. I can remember as a young boy My mother standing up playing the accordion. And as she would be playing the accordion and singing, suddenly the Spirit of God would move upon her playing that accordion, and I never could figure out how to play an accordion. Just watching that just amazed me, all the buttons on this side and all the deals on this side. It just amazed me. You know, the accordion was the equivalent of today's keyboard. It was in in a, a portable musical instrument that you could bring with you. And so she's playing the accordion under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And, and I can remember as just a young child, her singing in tongues. And it just, it thrilled my heart to hear something like that. To, uh, to hear someone sing in tongues. Uh, it was just, uh, it was something that I, that was a memorable occasion. I never forgot it. Uh, years later, my wife sang in tongues. And, and it was just amazing to see and to hear. The way it used to be. Well, it used to be. I can remember going to Natchitoches, Louisiana. The year was 1978. The pastor had not known the things that were going to occur in that service. In the services that began to roll, there was a man that was a chronic seeker. He had been in the altars for years seeking for the Holy Ghost. I mean, several years he, he sought for the Lord. 
But for some reason, he could not seem to get the Holy Ghost. And in the course of that revival, one night, he came to the altar, and my dad, he stepped off the platform and, and began to pray with him. And suddenly, this man began to convulse and began to throw things up. They cast a demonic spirit out of that man. The pastor stood over on the side with his mouth hanging open. He had never seen such a thing as they cast that spirit out of that man. And when that demon spirit left that body of that man, he lifted up his voice in his hands and he spoke in a heavenly language as God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. As far as I know to this day, that man is still in church. If he's still alive, he's still in church worshiping and serving God the way things used to be. I saw these things as a boy. I saw them and I, I, I was amazed to see them. We went to a, a revival in Brookhaven, Mississippi. The revival lasted for six weeks and in the course of that revival I saw things as a boy I'd never seen before. I saw a, a preacher's daughter that was grown. She was in her 20s and she came down for prayer and she was wanting the Holy Ghost and she sat right over here and the pastor and my dad came and laid hands on this young lady and as they started laying hands and praying for her she started pulling her clothes off she started pulling at her clothes and squirming around pastor and my dad laid hands on her again and cast demon spirits out of that girl's body the way things used to be. I'd never seen quite anything quite like this. In Jonesville, Louisiana, where my, I met my dear bride. The year would have been 1976. People got the Holy Ghost. And one night... Brother, the pastor's son-in-law come seeking for the Holy Ghost. And Sister DeVille told my mother, said, get your kids and hold them back. Says, every time he gets in the altar and starts to pray, he gets wild. And so she did what Sister DeVille said. And sure enough, here he went. He went to bucking and a carrying on and hit the brick wall. If you've been to that Jonesville church, there's a brick wall down to one side and then on the other side. And... He slammed hard against that brick wall. They laid hands on him, cast devils out of him. He prayed through to the Holy Ghost. I've seen such powerful things that occurred. I've told you the story about Brother Peck, how that God caused his foot to grow about two inches, how that God healed him instantly of a stroke they're standing before the, the ministers there as they laid hands on him. And God miraculously healed him that day. And then his leg grew another couple of inches within just a few days and showed that there could be a complete healing there that day. I can remember seeing bobby pins all over the floor 
from the lady folks who was just shouting and they'd shout their apostolic hairdos down. That's when they stacked them up real high. You know, my mother had one. She stacked hers up with what to call rats. No, not the ones you're thinking of, but the rats was... They was just stuffed hair or something or another that made of whatever, and she put them, piled them up in her head. That's back in the 70s. You know, those hairstyles are coming back in, folks. They even put cereal boxes in their head, little small cereal boxes to stack up their heads, whatever they could come up with, stack up their hair. But I can remember when the power of God would fall. Folks would go to running and shouting. It's not all about the shout. I want to tell you, but it's not all about sitting there either. When's the last time you shouted? When's the last time you got up and run the aisles? When's the last time you said, I'm going to give God glory? I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to magnify God and I'm going to lift up his name this day. Ah, he's worthy of all of the praise. He's worthy of all of the honor. He's worthy. Come on, somebody. I said he's worthy of the praise and the honor. It's time to lift up the name of Jesus and forever proclaim his name and say that God is good. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. I can remember a great revival that happened uh, as a child and this would have been like 1975 and this was in a little place that's called Kendrick's Ferry, Louisiana. It was at that time at the end of the paved road. You go all the way outside of Wisner, and you follow your, it's like something like eight miles as you follow that road around uh, State Highway, uh, and then the State Highway would stop at a bridge that used to be a ferry. Uh, and when you go over that bridge, it's gravel on the other side. The church uh, set right there near the bridge, uh, and there was an old-time preacher man that called son Warbington. Old brother Warbington, he had some rough edges, but that old man knew how to touch God. And when we had revival there, there were men that prayed through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There were several men that God prayed through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they stuck. I said, and they stuck. God's power fell and God did the rest that no one else could do. I can remember going to youth camp and listening as ordinary Foss would stand behind the sacred disc and would preach to us young people. He prayed, preached so hard. He scared me half to death with hell. And he let me know there was a real hell out there. Oh my God. Don't thank God. Oh, God, give us men that can preach and say, give us men that can preach us to our knees. Too many times 
We want the shout. We want the feel good. But there's something about what used to be. What separates us from what used to be? Why don't we see certain things occur as it once did? Somebody said, why is it that you don't hear much preaching on hell anymore? I'll give you Brother Orton Ray Foss's response. Years later, he came to Mississippi camp and preached a day service. And he answered that question expressly. He said, people ask me, Brother Foss, why don't you preach on hell anymore? If you've not had the opportunity to hear some of his vintage messages, I've got plenty that you can hear that will literally keep you up at night. The man could preach, I'm telling you about hell, that would just blow your mind. He had a way of stirring you up. I can remember one camp meeting that he was talking about the angel that came and marked those that sighed and cried that come right out of the Old Testament. He said tonight, he said, I see in the God of congregation, I can see the angel of the Lord, and he's going this way. And he's looking for those that are sighing and crying, and he's going to mark you. He's going to mark you. Oh, the place come apart. People hit the altars. People hit their knees. Folks begin to call on God. When's the last time that you heard of a camp meeting like that? Oh, my God, it's the way that it used to be. He said, why don't I preach on hell anymore he said because you will not receive it any longer the way that it used to be I can remember the year would have been 2006 I believe I was traveling from Jackson, Mississippi to Meadville, Mississippi, which is about 100 miles or so. And I stopped on my way home from church at this quick stop. We'd get gas and all that kind of stuff. And there was this woman sitting there cashier and uh, I went in to get some some snacks and what have you kept me stay awake for the drive home and got gas and she said where have you been it was like you've been at church I said yes ma'am I have I said I'm preaching a revival back in Meadville and explained all of that I said I'd like to invite you to church she said, yeah. She said, I said, yeah. I said, we're having service every night, whatever service time it was. And I invited her to church, and I didn't think any more about it. Got in my vehicle and drove to Jackson. I believe it was the next service, if my memory is correct. I, I got there a little early. I pulled up into the parking lot, and there's a car that I don't recognize already sitting there. And I get out of my car and go over to greet them. And it's that woman. And her husband. And her two children. 
She said, I wanted to come be in this revival. Come to find out she was a backslider. She'd been away from God. Before the service was over, Brother Adam, she was full of the Holy Ghost again. As God filled them with the Holy Ghost and fire. Oh, God. Give us something like that again, Lord. I didn't want it to be just what it used to be, but I want it to be in the near present. I want it to be now. There's a hunger in my spirit that I understand that God blesses his people, and I'm thankful for the blessings of God, but yet I've seen the power of God in demonstration in so many areas that I long for that to be in operation here, and I thank my God, Lord Jesus, what's it going to take, Lord, for us to be able to see the power and the demonstration, Lord, that I have once observed in other places that I've seen you do, Lord. I know you can do these things. I know, God, for I have been a participant, Lord, the way it used to be, the way it used to be, the way it used to be. Some young people, you you think, oh, I've had such a great service. Oh, you might have. Oh, but there's so much more. There's so much more. There's so much greater. There's so much more power that you've yet to tap into. Oh, my God, help us, Lord, that we awaken on this Sunday morning and realize that now is the time that we arise and say, God, Lord, I want your power. I want your glory. I've got to have more than I've ever had before. I said, God, as I was praying, I said, God, Lord, why am I not seeing it here? Why am I not seeing the things that I've seen elsewhere? Oh, God, Lord, I take full responsibility. It's my fault, Lord. Lord, surely, surely, God, I can do more than I've been doing, Lord. Surely, Lord, God, even though, Lord, God, I've had some of the greatest trials that I'm facing in my life right now, I've never had to face cancer before, and I'm having to stare it down. I'm having to shake it off, the fear of cancer. Oh, God, Lord, what would it take, Lord? I've got all the excuses in the world. The bottom line is there's more I could be doing. There's more that you could be doing. We become comfortable. We become comfortable. We're satisfied with what we are doing. If you weren't satisfied, you'd be doing something about it. Oh, God, I said, God. 
show me, Lord, in your word what I'm supposed to do. Show me what I'm supposed to do. And I opened my Bible to Isaiah chapter 12. And this is what I read. And in that day, thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou wast angry with me. Thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord. Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall you say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. So I said, why would God give you that? I got to looking at the word cry out and the word shout. And the word cry out means to rejoice. And the word shout literally means to shout for joy. What are you trying to say, God? God's letting me know. You can't live back yonder. You've got to give me glory for what I have done and declare my doings. But you shout for what I am about to do. For the greatness of the Lord. Oh, I could tell you story after story of what the goodness of the Lord and what God has done and the things that I have observed that have happened through the years of my few years on this earth that I have observed. I've been in more churches than most people have, being a preacher's son, an evangelist's son, and myself evangelizing as well. I've been in many, many hundreds of churches, but one thing I can tell you for sure, that even though that God has done it back then, he can do it all over over again he's ready and able to do but he's waiting on somebody to rejoice and lift up his name and declare what God has done in your life and give God praise for the things that he's done and thank him and rejoice and bless his name In the book of Ezra. When those were standing around and there was rejoicing from the younger generation, they were doing the perfect will of God. But yet the 
those that were standing around to remember the greatness of the former temple. God spoke to the prophet Haggai. And here is his direct response. Haggai 2 and 1. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the Lord, word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, O ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I have covenanted with you that when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Hear ye not, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once, and it is a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and yea, the dry place. I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. I will build this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. In this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. If that don't get you out of your chair, honey, I don't know what will. It's a promise of the Lord. Hey, I've done great things in the past. My power has been demonstrated in the past, but yet you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm gonna show my power and my glory, and it'll be greater than it ever was before. So there was a great noise that went up as they began to rejoice. The story is told of a survivor from the Titanic. That they were in one of the lifeboats. And as out there on the Atlantic Ocean, floating in the lifeboat, the Titanic carried a grand total of 2,435 souls. 
And while they're sitting in the lifeboat, they could hear the roar of the crowd in the water begging for help. That person that told the story said, I, from that point forward, I could never go to another ball game because the roar of the crowd would take me back to sitting in that boat and hearing that multitude of people begging for help. The roar of the crowd worshiping God and some, all they can do is live in the past. Oh, I long for God to do that which he has done in the past. But I can't remain there. Church, I issue you a challenge today. Pray more than you've ever prayed before. Say, well, Brother Motes, I'm already praying an hour a day. Pray two. Brother Verbal Bean told of a story, and I'm closing. He said, I went to a church to preach, and it was so bound, no one would worship. He said, I couldn't get anybody from the pastor all the way down. They were so bound down. He said, I went into prayer. He said, and I prayed. The first hour, nothing happened. He said, I went into my second hour, prayed till I was so sore, and still nothing happened. He said, but when I got to that third hour, something broke. And great revival poured out of that church. You do not realize how powerful your prayers are. Listen to me. If your prayers can't can't get past 15 minutes, I can assure you that there is a spirit that is hindering you. It's stopping you from getting further. And if you get done your one-hour prayer and you don't feel you've touched God, I can guarantee you you're fighting against spirits. And they know that you're about to break forth. But if you sit, if you sit down and say, well, I've done my part. I prayed my hour. You just missed it. You get to reset and start over again. We're living in perilous times. And it's going to take extraordinary saints to have extraordinary revival. It's not going to happen with us just having our few around, you know, and we're, we're enjoying being with family and friends we've known for years and having a great time, and we feel the presence of God, and we get that feel-good feeling. That's all we need. We're good to go home. Honey, that ain't revival. That's not the kind of revival that I've known. I want to tell you the kind of revival that I've known. When I showed up at that Meadville church, them folks was praying. It was a split-level church, and they had a basement down in there. And then people would go down there, and they'd be praying, and they'd lift the roof before the service started. And you could tell a service by just how the prayer was going. You could 
tell what was going to go on by how the prayer was going on. I want to tell you something. We've seen great revival because somebody prayed. It's still the same way today. If you want to have a move of God, you're going to have to get some prayer in. If you want to have a move of God, you're going to have to break the back of some devils. If you want a move of God, you're going to have to set your face like a flint and say, I've made up my mind. I'm breaking through. I'm going to do what it takes. I've got to see a move of God. I'm going to see a victory. Get that up here. Get that ready. Oh, God have mercy, folks. If you've been fasting, fast a little more. The Word is our foundation. Say, well, I read the Word every day. Don't just read it. Ask God to talk to you through it every day. Say, God, talk to me through this word. Speak to me through this word. I said, God, how am I going to talk to you? What am I going to, how am I going to breathe this message forth? God, God just showed me. I opened the word, and there it was, Isaiah chapter 12. What does it mean? It means I'm going to rejoice. Even though I've not done my part. Even though maybe I, I've slipped a little. And, I, and I'm not praying and fasting like I need to. I, I made God angry with me for a moment. I also know the Lord's going to be with me. And I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to magnify his name. I'm going to make known his deeds among the people. And I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to see a victory. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to see a victory. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. The ladder's going to For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. Victory! 
What the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good Whoa. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Oh, you take, you take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Oh, you take, you take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. Oh, you turn it, you turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. Oh, you turn it for our good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Oh, you take, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Yes, you can. Come on, come on. Yes. 
Yes, you can. You take what the you enemy meant for evil. You can have it. And you, you turn yes, it you for can. good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. You turn it for good. I'm gonna sing a victory. I'm gonna sing a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna sing a victory. I'm gonna sing a victory. darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. I'm gonna sing a victory. I'm gonna sing a victory. Do the work. He's working right now. 